Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Last week's sermon, if you were here for it, if you were online for it, I got a little political. I don't like doing that. And uh, I'm not apologizing because y'all are tired of hearing apologies. I'm not going to apologize, but I will say I didn't put it online. So if you missed it, you missed it. But uh, I say that to say this. It doesn't matter what day and age you're in. It doesn't matter what century. It doesn't matter what year or era. We all face problems. We all face fears. And let me just, I'm going to read this whole passage to you. And uh, the scope changed a little on me this morning. I was going to do the first verse. I was going to do a whole sermon out of the first verse. But just as I was going along, the Lord kind of changed. I just saw the whole thing. And it just seemed wrong to rob you the whole thing just to do one verse, even though we really could have dug in on one verse. You might see what I'm talking about as we go through. Psalm 27, a psalm of David. Let's read and then we'll pray. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble, stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. Now, therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over into the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Amen. In this passage, in verse number one, he says, The Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? David says, whom shall I fear and of whom shall I be afraid? Everyone lives with a certain amount of fear, and what we're afraid of changes as we grow. You know, when we're little kids, we're afraid of what's under the bed when we lay it down at night. We open our eyes and we see shadows on the wall, and we're afraid that there's a monster out there roaming. It might be a tree outside, but we just don't know, because there's a lot of things that we don't know as a kid. 
And I tell you what, the older I get, the less I know. That just seems to be the way. Because the more I know about what I don't know, I guess I could go on like this for hours. But you don't know what you don't know. That's enough. So fear of imagined monsters, fear of punishment when we do wrong. There's, there's that fear when you did something your mom told you not to do and you knew you were about to get a whipping. <laughs> so you were in fear of that. I don't know if kids know it today. I don't know if they know about that anxiety. Of knowing, Just wait till I get home. I don't know if they know about that knot in your stomach. I don't know if they know about that, oh, man. How can I get out of this? Or there's no getting out of this. You know, I have a saying. And when I'm facing something, it's like there's just no way out but straight through. Ain't no way out but straight through. I never heard anybody say it. Just something I say to tell myself, go on, do it. Get, Get through with it. Get into school, and then you have a fear of failing a test. You know, the teacher says, pop quiz. Oh, no, I didn't study. And our fears begin to multiply as we get older, if we let them. Fear of talking to someone. Do you remember the, the, the first boy, the girl that you talked to, the, it just that knot in your stomach, and just that, that a fear of rejection. There's fear of those things. As an adult, we get fear based more on knowledge than emotion. You know, when you're kids, there's a lot of emotion in there. But as an adult, our fear becomes more based on some experience either experience that we've had or that someone else has. Violent criminals, murderers, thieves, rapists, child molesters, gang members, terrorists, religious and political fanatics, those who demonically or demonically influenced or mentally deranged. The list got bad real quick, didn't it? The fears that we have, natural disasters, storms, tornadoes, earthquakes, fires, diseases, cancer, heart attack, Alzheimer's, HIV, war, loss of employment, financial devastation, accidents, old age, being able to provide and care for ourselves, hurt or betrayal by somebody we love and trust, or losing our parents or spouse. And just so you all know, I didn't sit around and dream all that list up. I did kind of cut and paste that. I will tell you, I cut and paste that list. But that's a pretty comprehensive list, isn't it? I didn't want y'all to think I was just sitting around thinking of all the things that scared me. But there's a lot of things in this world, uh, a lot of fears that we have. But we have a confidence. We're no longer alone when we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have an advocate with the creator of this universe. Our fears, and David's looking at his fear, and nobody really knows what David was fearing here. He could have been in the cave hiding from Solomon. He could have been exiled because of Absalom. He could have been being persecuted. It doesn't matter. David was going through some problems. There's different types of fear we see in the Bible. There's the motivational fear. In the Bible, there's a reverential fear and respect to God, and then there's everyday fear. Sometimes healthy fear can motivate us to take action, as in the case of Noah. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, you don't have to go there. It says, by faith, that's the hall of faith, right? It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You think about Noah, he, he had faith in God's warning of a flood. 
If you know your Bible, you know that it hadn't even rained at that time. You know that he had no idea what a flood was. He'd never seen a gully fill up or the ditch fill up with rainwater. He'd never seen Harvey come through like we did down here in Texas. That's a, you talk about God's providence, the way this church surrounded by a whole town that flooded and people sitting on their rooftops, sitting up in their attics, trapped. And this church, the worst we got was a little bit of water through the foundation that me and Johnny shop backed up. Uh, that's a blessing. I mean, it's, I, I understand it's not a blessing for those that were on their roof, but just that God took care of the church, you know. Um, but his fear motivated him. He said, you know, God, I believe you. And, and that doesn't sound like a good thing. I don't know what it is you're talking about exactly. But I know you're warning me. And it motivated him to build the ark. God told him to build the ark and it motivated him to follow God's word. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't know about as Christians. But the Bible tells us about. There's a lot of things that we can't understand all the way. I mean, you read the book of Revelation and you see some of the long-haired uh, insects and and things like that come at you. There's a lot of things we don't understand, but, you know, God says there's a day of judgment. It's hard to understand every soul in this world that ever lived lined up before God being judged out of the books. But there's a fear of the wrath to come that motivates us to turn to the one who can turn away the wrath. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to take that wrath for himself to take our sin on himself. So our fear motivates us to accept Christ. You know, the book of Jude says, some save with fear, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. There's also a faithless fear. Fear can also be caused by a lack of faith in God. You know, God makes promises to us, and when we don't trust those promises, we may live in fear because we aren't trusting him. Now, these are my notes. I didn't cut and paste them. I just want you all to know. But we, we, if we don't trust God, it'll cause us to fear. Over in Matthew chapter 4, when the disciples were in their first storm with Jesus, they were just beginning to learn who this man was that they were following. He said, follow me, and they dropped their nets, and they followed him. He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And they took him to the other side. And there he was asleep in the back. And the winds came up and the storm came up. And the water was washing over the side. And they look back there and Jesus is sleeping. And he's the one they trust. And they go to him and said, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 24. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8, verse 24. It said, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? So they were lacking faith at that time, Jesus told them. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So our lack of trust in what God has promised us, they should have known that God was going to preserve them. And we can understand being in the storm. It's a lot easier to see the storm around you and the chaos 
sometimes than it is to turn toward God. But we should be in a habit of turning toward him in prayer and in reading. There's also a paralyzing fear. You know, fear can paralyze us, cause us to act slowly, or cause us to not act at all. You look at the case of Gideon. He was tearing down the altars of his father. His father had set up altars to worship other gods, and and God had sent an angel to Gideon. They'd been persecuted, I think, the Midianites. But he said, Hell thou mighty man of valor. Gideon's down there threshing wheat behind the stone. He's hiding. But Gideon, as fearful as he was, it says in uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 27, then he was... Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Gideon just couldn't bring himself to do it out in front of everybody. But he followed God's orders. He went out there at night and he tore down those altars. God preserved him. But you know, Gideon... Because God had preserved him through that, he began to develop faith, develop faith. His faith grew to the point where he went with 300 men against the whole army of Midian. Fear can paralyze you. Fear of people, fear of friendship, fear of loss of friendship, fear of loss of job. There's a lot of fear being spread right now. But there's a big price to pay. That same kind of fear can keep us from doing God's will. Fear of what people will think. Fear of what people will say. Fear of what will happen. In uh, Preacher's Outline Study Bible, it says, It is often a fruit of our sinful nature, a nature that tends to believe the worst and does not trust the Lord. At other times, it strikes strikes us as a direct blow by Satan or one of his demonic spirits. Indeed, many people, even believers, are held captive by a spirit of fear. They are paralyzed by worry, lack peace, and are defeated in their daily lives and fruitless in their service for the Lord. All this about fear to explain where David is. David was facing fear when he wrote the psalm. Nobody knows what it was. But as we read down, Psalm 27 almost seems to be split in half. There's some, I'm told that there's Bible scholars that say, well, David couldn't have written the whole thing because there's two tones to it. Let me show you this. See, in verse number one, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see faith right there in the first verse. You see David confident. You see David in verse number two, he says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come up, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Now, that didn't mean they were going to eat him like a zombie, but they were going to destroy him. They were going to kill the body. He said, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. So one through three, you see David's faith. You see a strong faith, but then... Look down at verse number seven. And it's almost like things change. In verse number seven, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When thou sayest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Does that sound like the same man that was at the front saying, I trust in God. I'm going to, you know, I'm not afraid of my enemies. I'm not afraid of any of that. But then he's crying out to God, Lord, don't forsake me. You know, and the scholars will say, well, that's two different people. I I just want to say to you, that could be the same person in any, any given minute. How many times have you prayed in faith in one minute and in the next year, Lord, please don't let me go. Please don't let go of me, Lord. John Phillips said it best. He said, they argue that no man could switch so suddenly from faith to fear, from trust to trembling, from confidence to cowardice. However, we only have to look at our own deceitful hearts to see that such a switch is not only possible, it happens all the time. Often within the same prayer, faith and fear very often fight each other for mastery of the soul. That's from John Phillips, the commentator. I think he's got a pretty good grasp on it. The idea that one man can't be confident and in fearing that the Lord's going to leave him in the next breath is, is ridiculous. Spurgeon, in a sermon on a whole different topic, he was talking about prayer. He said, prayer spreads the letter of trouble and grief before the Lord and opens all its budget. And then faith cries, I believe that God cares and cares for me. I believe that he will bring me out of my distress and make it promote his own glory. When you have thus lifted your care into its true position and cast it upon God, take heed that you do not pick it up again. And then here's his admission. He says, many a time have I gone to God and have relieved my care by believing prayer, but I am ashamed to confess that after a little time I have found myself burdened again with those very anxieties which I thought I had given up. So in this psalm, we see an honest David. We see a David who's confident that God's going to give him victory, but we also see a different David. One of the biggest fears we face is in losing a battle. And I got to tell you, we're in a spiritual battle. It's always a spiritual battle. There's personal battles. There's, there's battles nationwide. There's whatever you want. But it's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're wrestling against the devil. Fear can and will crop up at different times in our lives, but in Psalm 27, David gives us a reason that God is the source of his victory and the fight over them. So number one, he looks to God as his source for the victory. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We know that God is light and him is, in him is no darkness in John chapter 1. Um, now, John, in the book of John, we know that, look over at John chapter 1. That's where we go. John chapter 1. I think y'all already know where this is going. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. When you get to, when you get to uh, verse 14, 
you see that he's talking about Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse number three, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus gives us the light of the gospel. How much do things change once you understand that there's a spiritual battle going on? How much light do you get when you understand when you, when you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you have the Holy Spirit begin to show you the heart of man, the soul of man, when you see someone anger and you really see the real problem underneath. But he looks to God as his light and his salvation. He says, in my salvation, whom shall I fear? When the Israelites were standing on the edge of the Red Sea, Moses said, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. It's God that saved them from the Egyptians on one side, from the Red Sea on the other. He is our salvation in problems, in troubles. God is the one that saves us. And David looked to him. He said, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Our strength comes from God. He says, when the wicked, even mine enemies, he has God as his light, his salvation, his strength, and he bases it on the past experiences. He said, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. David looked back and he saw the times where God gave him the victory. And he said, why am I going to fear man? Why am I going to fear what he does to me? He says, though, and he looks to the future. He says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And then he says in verse number four, so we see David's faith in verses one through three. Verse number four, we see David's desire. It's, it's all, it's well and good to rely on the Lord. He, he's our source and he's our strength but he's more than just our source and our strength he's our destination he ought to be our desire you know so many people they 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 pray to the lord and they leave it at that he ought to be our fellowship david says one thing have i desired of the lord remember david was a man after god's own heart he said that i will seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. There's a couple ways to look at that. One way is in the physical sense. They had the temple, or he had uh, Shiloh. He had the place of worship. He had the ark that he could go to. Dwelling to be in fellowship with God, to be near with God. How many people who turn to God in prayer have confidence, but how many people actually want to fellowship with God throughout the week, throughout every day of their life? How many people just trust God? How many people do you know that said, yeah, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior because we've been good about witnessing, right? People have been good about witnessing, and there's been people out there that said, oh, and made the decision. But they never made the decision to go to church. They never made the decision to be around God's people. They never wanted to fellowship with God. They don't even know the Bible. It's a sad thing. But David not only trusted God as his source, but he, he wanted to dwell with God. 
He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that day he had to go through the priest, and David wouldn't have been able to do it himself. He had to go through the priest. But his desire was to be near God, to be near the things of God. His desire was for fellowship in God's house, and his desire was to be hid in God. Verse number five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above my enemies round about. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Because of that, he had confidence over his enemies, and he had confidence that he would be lifting his head up. <clears throat> Let me slow it down for just a minute. When we, when we go through troubles, when we, when we face that fear, when you're in the middle of it, I, uh, that movie Flywheel that we watched a while back, do you all remember that? Do you remember when he was, they were facing all these financial difficulties because they were having. They were giving the money back. God had convicted them, and they were beginning to give money back. He figured out how much he had ripped off people, and he was beginning to give the money back. And they were reaching a point where they were about to lose the car lot. And he's talking to his wife. He's like, "Well, how do you feel about it?" And or she asked him. And he said, oh, "I just feel peaceful. He knew God was in control. It's kind of a." serene chaos you know and that's kind of how it is I mean everything's stirring up around you you know there's trouble but it's when your trust is in the Lord all you can do is trust him for me it's you know in a sense it's like getting on an airplane and just going to sleep even though I'm really not real crazy about the wing that's out there flapping around (laughs) Yeah, Dee Dee's pointing at me. Just so y'all know, Dee Dee's pointing at Megan. She's saying, no, no, don't be talking about that. Don't be talking about flying when we're about to get on a plane. I'm having a hard enough time getting her on there. Well, let me tell you about that serene chaos. Because that's what it is. When, when, the, when there's trouble with bills, when there's trouble at work, when there's trouble with anything, and your trust is in the Lord and not in yourself, there is a serene chaos, knowing that God is in control no matter what. You know, for Sunday school, for those of y'all that missed it, you know, God told Solomon that he would take the kingdom away from his son. And uh, he told Jeroboam that he was going to give 10 tribes to him for the northern kingdom, and Rehoboam was going to get to one tribe. And he told him all this, but, but even so... When the time came when Solomon passed away, we find Jeroboam in Shechem with the other Israelites. And Rehoboam still has a chance to do right. Rehoboam still has a chance to, to reduce the load on the people. But it was of the Lord. But Rehoboam's choice was still his choice. You know, that's the thing. God's in control. We're still responsible for the choices that we make. But God's in control. 
I, you could drive yourself crazy thinking about it. It's like thinking about time travel. Well, if I go back in time now, would I be here? Would I be there? It just All you can do is say God's in control, and you're still accountable for your choices. There's a serene chaos in facing trouble, in facing trials. It's not a pleasant thing, but it is a pleasant thing. It's a scary time, but it's a peaceful time because you know God's in control. And you only know that, number one, if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you only know that, number two, if you have fellowship with God. If you're out of fellowship with God and with his people, you don't know where you stand. And that's, that's chaos. That's fear. Fear that drives the heart. David's desire was his fellowship for his fellowship, to be in God's house, to be hid in God. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Look at, uh, he says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, verse 5. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. Therefore will I offer his tab- in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing praises unto the Lord. Verse number seven. And this is where it kind of changes the tone. And he cries out. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. In some ways, it sounds like a fearful man. But there's no contradiction, because in the first part, he's not afraid of man. You know, the fear of man bringeth the snare. He's not afraid of man. He's not afraid of what's going to happen to him. But we see here David's fear was not of man, but of losing God, of losing fellowship with God. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. He was in verse number uh, 9. He says, Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. He didn't, he didn't want to lose fellowship with God. And that ought to be our desire to maintain our fellowship with God. He says, thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. And that's David clinging to the Lord, who is his source, his light, his salvation, and his strength. He didn't want to be left alone. Fear of losing his family. He said, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path. Fear of losing his way. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path. We ought to be seeking after God to learn his ways, to stay on the path. You know, there's so many things that can take you off the path. You know, we were, we were celebrating how far somebody had come. And there have been people that have, that have come clear of a sin that was holding them back. They've gotten away from it. After a year, maybe two, they could go right back into it. You know, they say in AA that, you know, whatever, I'm not going to go into that. But that's with anything. 
you can get away from something and end up going back into it. And the devil can lead you right to that door. I, you know, they, <laughs> I, could, I could watch TV for two hours or something. No interruption. I pick up the Bible, the phone will ring. It's the funniest thing. It just seems to happen that way. It, the devil's there. He's, he's ready to give you something. Or an email will come in. I've had to turn them things off. You know, ding. But David, David's fear not of losing man, but of losing fellowship with God. Losing fellowship with God, losing his path. He says, uh, I skipped verse 10. Fear of losing his, father, his family. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Wasn't so much fear of losing his family, but it was knowing that God would step in. If everyone else rejects you, it's knowing that God will accept you. He says, Teach me, deliver me not. Verse number 12 Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. So David cries out for these things. He, he cries out for God not to leave him. God is his source, his faith, his confidence. And he cries out to God to not, to not lose fellowship, to be with him when family abandons him, to, to, to keep him on the right path and to teach him the right way. And then in verse number 13, and I, and I ask you this, I ask you this before, when you fear something and you've placed your trust in God, that serene chaos, and then you come to the point and, and that fear kicks in and you turn it to the Lord. Lord, don't, don't let me go. No, Lord, I know you got me. Don't let me go. You remember the, the man that said, uh, I believe. Lord, help me thou mine unbelief. And then here in verse number 13, David makes a resolution. He resolves to do some things. He steals his mind. He looks at the Lord and he says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, there's so many people nowadays that look out at the world, they look out at the death, and some of them promote the death, but they look out at the death, they look out at the crime, they look out at the chaos, they look out at the unfairness, they look out at the injustice, and they blame God for all of it. They say, you created this world, God. You created these people to be the way they are. No, they had a free choice. But they blame God, and they turn away, and they say, there is no good thing of God in this world. And there's, there's, there may even be some Christians that look at God and say, well, it'll all be good in the afterlife. It'll all be good when we get to heaven. But, you know, there, there are some things, and I'm not going to tell you that you've got to have everything right now, but if you look around, you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You look around, and you'll see God's goodness among his people. You'll see God's goodness in the surgery. You'll see God's goodness in the life that's changed. You'll see God's goodness when you look forward. And he said, I had fainted. He would have given up. He would have given out on his faith. He wouldn't have been his confidence. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be able to see the things that God has done. 
And then he says in verse 14, and this is your serene chaos, he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Our strength comes from the Lord. He shall strengthen thy heart. And then he says it again, wait, I say on the Lord. David resolved himself to look around and see the things of God, and David resolved himself to wait on the Lord. So many times we want to jump in there like Abraham, like Abraham's wife, Sarah. She said, well, maybe it's meant to happen this way. Maybe we'll just help God out. We'll just use my handmaid. We'll just use, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe we just need to take a loan out and get that. We'll just help God out. We'll go down to the bank, and if he gives us the loan, and, you know, we know it was God's will. <laughs> I mean, if people have been paying for 12 years on something they thought was God's will. And it takes them out, you know, they do it for a boat or something like that, and it takes them out of church every Sunday till they forgot what it was even like to be around God's people, to be in the God's house. I know, I see somebody, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, I know. I know that sometimes those things we think are blessings or we help God out on, they take us away from the things of God. We got to be careful about that. But he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Knowing God's will, we've preached on that before. But there's a balance in everything, and you'll always hear me say it. There's a balance in everything between waiting, between going when God says to go, waiting when God says to wait, walking away when God says to walk away. If you'll stand...